Welcome to the Glow Church Podcast. We are a global church committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus around the world. I'd love to invite you to join us for a service at any of our locations or join us online for our live stream service. I trust that today's message will bring hope and purpose to your life. Everyone joining us online, good to have you here tonight. If you are in the church building, well done. For those of you who are watching outside, there's a good chance you might be unwell or you couldn't get here even on the Gold Coast, possibly because you could be flooded in your house. I don't know if we've had a day this year that's been sunny. I'm not sure what's going on, and it is a concern. Uh, it'd be nice if the uh, sun wants to come back to Queensland. The catchphrase here is beautiful one day, rainy the next. It's all happening. I've been on holidays building an ark for us to get ready just in case. And, you know, I've actually worked it out. I've worked out what's going on right now. Because we've had so many people from Sydney and Melbourne move to the Gold Coast in this last season, what's happened is that God thought, okay, I'm going to take all the cumulative rain from Sydney and Melbourne, and I'm going to times that by the amount of people moving here. And I'm just going to put it all in one place to see who really wants to live in Queensland. Because if you can get past this season, you're going to have 10 years of sunny weather. That's what I think it is, right? Just so you know. For the record, can I get some more fallback? I've got none, it'll be awesome. I can't hear myself. Thank you so much. Well, we are starting a new series called Game On, and this series is completely dedicated to relationships. Lots of different types of relationships. We've got marriages, we've got boyfriends and girlfriends. Maybe we might have some new people dating during this series. Remember, coffee doesn't mean marriage. Guys, get busy. Hey, make sure you pay. Just go out for a coffee. You never know who you could hang out with. It's better than going on Tinder. Like, it's, you know, like it's going to get some results, hey? You know, like, we could have long-term results, like short-term one-night results, okay? So it's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I say it, but it's true, isn't it? Come on, let's be honest. The front of the door says real bold love. Let's keep it real. Tinder's not going to go very far for your future, right? Just so you know. Now, I just think it's important that we talk about this very important topic because Jesus gave us two commands. It was love God and love people. And here's what I know. If I didn't have to love people, I reckon I'd love God a whole lot more. Because people are confusing, they're annoying, they're frustrating, and if it wasn't for people, I probably would love God with everything I've got, but people get in the way of me loving God. And so we need to talk about loving people as well, because if we can do that well, then our view of how we see God is so much better. You know, if you've grown up and your dad in life disappointed you or wasn't there, it's going to affect the way you see God. If you've had someone in your life who's let you down, it can affect the way you see God. If someone's betrayed you, it can affect the way you see God. And so tonight, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we see through the lens of the Father, that we understand at the start of this series what it means to have healthy relationships. I also know, just like you saw on the video to start the series, that relationships can feel like a bit of a tug of war. You know, a guy and a girl, or two friends, or people at work can feel like this constant pulling and tension uh, if things aren't going the way that we want it. Fundamentally, as humans, we are selfish people. Would you agree? If you don't agree, it's because you are probably the most selfish person. (laughs) We are selfish. We think about ourselves and we want what I want. It's why the first year of marriage can be very difficult for a a couple because you go from 20 or 25 or 30 years doing life one way, the toilet paper goes a certain place, the knives and forks go in a certain direction in the drawer, the way that you sleep on the bed matters. Like even these days, like when I go, if I stay at a hotel and I've gone somewhere by myself, I always stay on the left-hand side of the bed, always. I can't go in the middle. I can't go on to Ellen's side. It's like, that's reserved for Ellen. I've got to stay on the left-hand side. Like, I've been well, well domesticated. 21, 22 years later. 
And what I've also learned is that anytime we're going to do a series on relationships, it's always going to test my own relationships leading up to it. That's why today Ellen is in Melbourne. It's been great. There's been no arguments. It's been wonderful. And she's there. She actually, she preached this morning in Melbourne, and I think she's on a plane right now, literally coming uh, back to the Gold Coast. So we might see her here later. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we start this series. We pray that, Lord, this, uh, this series would really help us have healthy relationships. Show us where we might need to change a little bit. Lord, we know that so much of the way that we view people can also be directly related to how we view you. And so I pray today, whether we're teenagers in the room, whether we're watching online, whether maybe we're going through a really challenging circumstance in a marriage, maybe we've felt that that horrible feeling of betrayal, or look, maybe we just feel lonely. Maybe COVID has brought out these insecurities in our loneliness. And God, people here are desperately looking for, Lord, clarity and health in relationships. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. If you want to write this down, tonight's message is entitled Heart Checkup. Heart Checkup. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, the state of your heart is a huge determiner of how healthy or unhealthy the relationships in your life will be. You might find that if you take a backward step right now, that you have left a carnage of damage in the people around you and you thought it was all their problem. But it may actually be that something right now in your heart and your spirit isn't sitting right. And so if we're not careful, the lens for which we can speak to others or relate to others can be in a way that is just a few degrees off center but can cause a massive issue. If you would for a second, everyone give me your right hand and put it in the air. Okay, that's your right hand. Okay, if you don't, if you look at, if your left is, that's left. Let's see, teach kids, right? Left is left. Your right hand. Now I want you to put your hand on your heart, okay? Just put it on your head. Just, just take it down, put it on your heart. Okay, if you put your hand here, that's incorrect. Any doctor or any person studying medicine will tell you your heart is more in the middle of your chest. That's why you do CPR in the middle, right? So it's just to the side. So the problem is that that's a little bit like a lot of people's hearts. We think we've got a hand on the right spot, but actually it's just a little bit further to the right or to the left of where maybe you really are at. Some things can sometimes be unhealthy. Maybe right now your marriage, you might think that you're a 7 out of 10, but if you spoke to your spouse, you're a 1 out of 10. That's an awkward one. Maybe right now you're dating someone and you're getting ready to propose to them and that person's thinking about how can they break up with you. Oh, so such negativity for me, isn't it? Maybe some friends, you're wondering why they're not calling or inviting you places and you feel left out. Maybe the heart's moved a little bit. The way you treat people, it matters. This week I was at a conference in Melbourne for pastors and there's about 100 pastors there of large churches around Australia and I thought I'd do a social experiment without telling anyone. And what I decided is I stood back from that particular two days away and the first night was like a welcome dinner which is pretty typical of any of those sort of midweek conferences you might go to at any workplace. And then you know the next day you go along and in the morning tea break there might be some scones there or scones, however you want to say it. Uh, if you're in England watching, and there's others that as well, like you know, they might have some little spring rolls at lunchtime. But I just thought I would watch to see how people that would be considered in the eyes of many as leaders or important would treat people that maybe didn't realize somebody else was watching how they treated someone. Because I actually think that I could predict the state and the health of that church based on how the leader treated people. Because what starts in the leader flows through everything. 
And I can't tell you about the results of my study because that would be unfair, but at times I was quite shocked to watch some of the behavior of what people thought was okay to treat people that maybe could have felt lesser than in that moment because the drink didn't come quick enough or the food they were hoping for that was gluten-free, tolerant-free, all the rest of it free, it wasn't available to them and so they would treat someone maybe not as kindly as what they would as if people were watching. The way we treat people, it matters. The way that we treat friends matters. The way that we treat our spouse matters. The way that we treat those people that we might be responsible for in a workplace, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. Now, if I was to go to the doctor this week to just get a checkup, and the doctor said to me, we're just going to check some, some of the vital signs around your heart, what would they do? Well, firstly, they would get a, uh, a blood, uh, I don't know what it's called, actually. Dr. Joe, what's it called when they put it on me? A blood pressure monitor. Yes, kind of. Thank you, Dr. Joe. <laughs> you put it on me a few times. So you wrap it around your elbow, it tells me how, how my blood pressure is going. It feels a bit, a bit intense right now, actually. Maybe my blood pressure is not good, but... Uh, actually, no, I just want to say this. I actually read an article this week um, about a, a young guy on the Gold Coast who's 29 that um, hadn't got his blood pressure checked and he had a stroke and died. And just said, hey, don't forget, you should always get your blood checked. You know, it's important, right? You know, if you're not, never too old to get your blood pressure checked, right? It's health safety, uh, health, health uh, concern there tonight. Just so you, you never know, it could save someone's life this week. You could get a cholesterol test. You could get, just like the stethoscope comes out. It's always so cold. They always want to put it on you, and you're like, oh. And they put it on you, and they breathe in, and heavier, you know, and you're like. <laughs> what does what the doctor do? And the doctor is trying to find signs that there could be a further issue to investigate. They're not going to, in that moment, better say, you've got this wrong with your heart, but they are looking for, hey, there could be a blockage here. Or there's some problems here that we may need now to go further into the investigative process and, and hook you up to some machines for, with a specialist to see just how your heart is doing. And tonight, I want to start this series off by getting out the blood pressure test spiritually and the cholesterol test and go, maybe it's a good time to check and see how your heart's doing because it could be the starting point for how you are conducting yourselves in relationships. And Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Your heart can play tricks on you. You may think it's in one state, but it's actually in not that state. And we've got to be careful that the desires, the dreams, the things that I want my heart to line up towards are aligned with God's will for my life. Because other than that, they're going to take me in directions that don't align with His plans and His purpose for my life. You might find yourself, even as we in this series, realizing there's been a few things that I didn't intend to or mean to that have kind of just got in the way. A few blockages. Maybe there's some, some blockages emotionally. Maybe there's some hurt that you haven't dealt with. Maybe there's some past pains from relationships that you haven't worked through. And you want to have this vibrant, healthy friendships, relationship, future marriage, but it's very hard to when there's things that can get in the way of that. Maybe it's in this series that God is going to speak to you about what possibly you need to look for in a future partner for life. But these outward indicators are crucial in understanding what maybe is happening on the inside of us. And if you don't like what you find, I've got some good news for you. You can change. I've got some even better news for you because God can change you. God can align you. God can get you set up. Luke chapter 15. Everyone say that. Luke 15. 
a wonderful book of the Bible. It doesn't matter what version or language you want to read it in, it's amazing. Luke 15 is three parables or three stories that Jesus tells. The first one is about a hundred sheep, about a shepherd who's hanging out with the sheep. And he realizes that one of those little sheep have escaped the pen. And the, the sheep takes off and he's left with the 99. It's amazing. I look at the story and think, what did the other 99 do during that time? Did he bring in like an intern to do that? Did he, did he get a shepherd, like a junior shepherd in? Did he like put extra food in so they were all like, you know, they were like basically deceited and tricked into staying there. And he took off after the one sheep. He put it on his shoulders. He found it. He took it back and the sheep had a big party and they hung out and it was, there was rejoicing. And then there's the next story about a woman who had 10 silver coins and she lost the silver coin that she knew she had because she had 10, but she only had nine. And so she went on a rescue mission and a search mission through the house. The Bible says that she swept through the house. She had light in all the dark areas. And eventually she found one of the coins that had been lost. And so she now had 10 coins. And then the third story the, where it culminates is the story of the prodigal son. You may have heard that story, even if you've never been to church, you may have heard that term, the prodigal son. A story of two boys where the younger brother decided that he wanted to live a different way. He asked for him uh, if his family would cash out the inheritance early, that they would divide the fortune, that he could take that front half. And he went up to a faraway land. The Bible says that he squandered his inheritance. He lived a party lifestyle. He went crazy. He must have, must have had a really big party. Like seriously, like to have that bigger party in, a, uh, in a, such a short space of time to lose half your family's wealth. I mean, that is some significant partying. It gets to the point where the young, young man, he's, he's in the bottom of a pig pen. He's thinking, how did I get here? The Bible says that as he was eating the food that the pigs would eat, he remembered that surely even my dad, my dad's servants were treated better than this. And if I could just get back home, then maybe, just maybe my dad might have enough space in the servant quarters so at least I could eat some real food. And the Bible says that it's one of the most amazing stories that while the young man was still a long way off, that the father was waiting with his arms wide open for his son to return. And often we read that story and we get excited and it ends there and we miss the next part of the story. And I want to tonight give you a different viewpoint that maybe even if you've been going to church all your life, you've never considered before. For those of you maybe who've never ever stepped foot in a church, the good news is this, that Jesus' posture towards you tonight is His arms are wide open. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how the bottom of the life you might be, or even you could be at the pinnacle of your career, that Jesus' arms are wide open. He's saying, hey, I can bring grace, forgiveness, and set you free. And I picked this story up now, the one that we often don't get to, Luke chapter 15, which we, stay, we, we change lead actors. We go from the younger brother to the older brother. And Luke 15, verse 25 starts this. I'm going to read it from the screen that's on the side here. It says, Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. In other words, he got the smoker out. He had a big eight-hour feast cooked up in the back room. He got some really amazing barbecue sauce from deep in Texas in there in Houston with Grant and Whitney. They sent it over and they're having a party. It was going to be fun. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came and begged him, 
But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends, put in brackets there, entitlement. Entitlement. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? And his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but he is now found. Would you write this comment down tonight? Would you put this down, write this down, put this on the front of the person in the neck in front of you, just so you remember and you can read it for the rest of your night. It says, is it possible that you could be in the father's house, but not carry the father's heart? Can you be in the Father's house and yet not carry the Father's heart? If I was to take five young kids from a family here on the Gold Coast on a sunny day six months from now, and now they're going to have a beach day down at Burley Heads, which is one of the most amazing places on planet Earth. And this particular dad said, right, kids, get in the Tarago, we're going. You've only got a few options, right, when you've got five kids. Tarago, this family's the Tarago family, through and through. The big red, dirty, metallic Tarago, the door opens up, they get to Burley and out get the kids and they're having a good day. At the end of the day finishes, mum and dad say, right, we're going home, get back in the Tarago. And so they head back towards the Tarago, the oldest kid gets in, child one, then child two, child three, child four, and where's little Henry? Anyone? Where's Henry? Where is he? Is missing. Now, for any parents, you know that even just your, the feeling of your kids like, have gone missing for 10 seconds, that's a horrible feeling. It's like that 10 seconds when you can't find your iPhone. You're like, <laughs> my whole life, where is it? But imagine 10 seconds where your kid's missing. The only reason that you know that that kid is missing because he was once found, there was five, now there's four. Let me flip this story on its head for a second and consider that maybe that Jesus was telling us a story that is even deeper than just people that are lost. See, the first story of the hundred sheep, the only reason we know that there was one missing was because there was once a hundred. And the one went missing. So let me say it this way. That sheep was found and now it is lost. And the only reason that it is now found again is because the shepherd went and found what was lost and brought it back so that 100 equals 100 again. The story of the lady with the 10 coins, the only reason that we know that there was 10 coins and one was missing was because there was once 10 and now there was nine. It's not because it was just lost, it's because it was found, then it became lost and she found it again. The prodigal son. The only reason we know that he was lost was because he was once one of two. And he went far away and had a party. And he returned, we now have him found again. And I wonder if maybe as a church, as Christians, we're really good with dealing with people that we would describe as lost, lost. As in, they've never been to church before. They've never encountered Jesus before. And we hear the story of that person who walks in there once a heavy drug addict and Jesus set them free. And we're so excited they prayed the sinner's prayer and their life has been set free forever. Or that family where they were estranged from each other and something happened and they found Jesus and their life was restored. We all get excited by those stories. 
But what about the people that we have a different expectation on? What about those people that we would describe as found lost? People who once knew Jesus. They were in the house. They were walking with Him and something happened. Maybe their marriage fell apart. Maybe COVID happened. Maybe something took place in their life and they disengaged from the house of God. They disengaged from the Father's house and they now find themselves as people that I would describe in a new category as found lost. Maybe tonight you're here and you're found found. And we're good with lost, lost. But what do we do with these people? That you and I, whether we say it or not, have an ethical compass that we say, you should have known better than that. Just like the older brother said, hey, he should have known better than going to party away all that money. What, what earth does he think he has the right to come back here? And I just wonder in the world we're living in right now, that maybe Jesus won't entrust to us as a church more lost, lost people until we get busy about finding those found lost people in our world right now. People that used to sit with you in church before COVID, people that wants to, you used to know that maybe their marriage fell apart. Maybe they, during the, the last few years, the stress, the concerns, they got, got busy drinking alcohol and it's taken them out or maybe they've been attached to some party drugs because they weren't coping and their life just went downhill and you have judged them because somewhere you had a bigger expectation than what God did. And is it possible that in this story, you and I are the older brother? That in this story, you and I are trying to take the place of God when it's not our place to judge, it's our place to love. It's our place to extend the hand and say, hey, get back in the house. Get back into the place of knowing Jesus. Hey, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't wanna judge you, I just wanna love you. Is it possible that right now, the greatest group of people that are missing from the house of God are people that are found lost. They're de-churched. Stuff happens. And I think we've got to get a framework for what to do when people who don't match up to what we expect they should do let us down. That marriage that you thought, thought was the perfect marriage falls apart and you don't know what to do, so you step away and go, I don't know what to say. I don't want to get caught in the middle here. Let me say it this way. Let's hypothetically say 10 years ago, there was a guy who loved playing rugby and had lots of good rugby mates. And every Friday night, as a group, they would go out to a bar and then have a big night every single night, every single Friday night. They just know they're going to go out, they're going to have a party, they're going to get drunk. Who knows what could happen on the other side of that. And that was this particular guy's every Friday night. And then along the way, someone invited him to an Easter service. He thought, oh, I don't know if I can go to that, but his friend said, no, trust me, you can come. Someone that was working with said, no, come on, Easter Sunday. He came to an Easter service, found Jesus. And in that moment, found peace, found hope, found forgiveness. A year later, he met a beautiful girl at the church. And then three years later, they were married with kids. Things were going amazing. Fast forward 10 years later. Because of the impact that Jesus had in his life, he kind of just walked away from his friends. And 10 years down the track, something happened that he didn't see coming. His wife met somebody else in her workplace and grew some unhealthy emotions. Before they know it, their marriage was on the rocks and he wasn't coping. And he remembered, hey, my friends that every Friday night, I wonder if I just went down to that local bar that might be still there. And if he was to walk into that bar, I can promise you unequivocally the response he would have got when he walked into that bar. It would be something like this. Hey, he's back. 
Big dogs in the house, get in here. Come on, someone get that man a drink. True? Why are we not like that? Why as Christians, when someone decides I need to get my life right or I need to make a step towards God's house again, why are we not the ones that are saying, hey, get back in here. Hey, come on. Hey, come on, buddy, get in here. But yet we judge. There are Christians that are broken, bloodied, and strewn all over the city. Over the cities. And maybe you might be the only person that could be that bridge between where they are now and being back in the house. I wonder tonight if there's anyone here that might say, I am in the house and I carry the Father's heart. I am in the house and I want to reflect God's heart. I won't always get it right, but God, please use me somehow to be that one that can be like that shepherd that goes out, puts the sheep back on his shoulders and gets him back in and goes, good day, mate, good to see you. Like, what is it going to be to change the narrative of a generation? What is it going to be that we don't get to the place where we think that we are the judge, we are the jury, and we've got it all together? I tell you what, the way that you judge is going to be a direct result when one day you have something going on in your life, how people are going to respond to you. And I get it, maybe from a church perspective, or not maybe, the Bible's very clear about expectations of leaders. And those people that have stuff going in their life that doesn't match the mark of what God says, it doesn't mean they still can't be in church community. It doesn't mean they still can't be loved by Christians. It means they probably won't lead in that capacity again, but it's very different. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day on Zoom. He used to pastor a very large church in America. He doesn't anymore due to some things that he, he did personally. And as we were on this Zoom, two and a half hours into it, he's there crying and the other day, he's like, Joel, like what about people like me? Like what, what, what did I do that people couldn't love me anymore? I gave everything, but yet for some reason, because there was this moral expectation, there was this, this compass that said you have to be perfect, I now find myself and I can't even go into a church and serve. Something is horribly wrong with that. If it was in the world, it'd be like, get back in here, big boy, and get a beer into you. We must have a different mentality. We must change the story. If you're here and you're in a younger generation, don't buy into a narrative that says you have to be perfect, but be real and get honest and say, I need you, Jesus. Even on the cross, Jesus said to the guy that was messed up, hey, you'll be with me in paradise today. Since when did we become the judge? Since when did we become the judge? I wonder what it is that maybe makes us more holy than people. It's sad, you know, sometimes the allegations made against people that just aren't real. And we believe it. Maybe someone feels that they have shame that they can't even walk into the door of a church because of bankruptcy or a newspaper article. And my friend I was talking to on the Zoom the other day, he said, Joe, you have no idea what it feels like to just go along with church. He goes, for three months, every time the worship leader said, come on, let's lift our hands in worship. I wanna, I wanna lift it up so bad, but the shame is so heavy, I can't even lift my hands. I feel like everyone's looking at me and I can't even get my hands up. But I want to. Where's the friends around here to pick up his arms and do it for him? That's what we should be like. Now, no one in this room wouldn't do that. 
But just say in case. You're having a bad day. Stuff happens. Maybe there's people who just drifted during COVID. You know, last week I walked into a shop at Pack Fair, it's not far from here. And it was a, a young guy that uh, was coming to this church for years. And I walked in and I, I knew I hadn't seen him for a while. Probably I was thinking to myself, probably haven't seen you since COVID happened. Which is a pretty common story with lots of people, a lot of Christians everywhere in the world. And I had a choice at that moment, the way I responded could determine so much of what the rest of the conversation looked like. I could have walked in and said this, where have you been? I could have. Because lots of people do that. Or someone comes back to the house after a few years and goes, where have you been? Doesn't really, doesn't really help someone who's probably had to build up the courage for a year and a half to get back. And they're sweating bullets in the car park before they walk in going, I hope, hope people accept me. I said to this guy, I said, man, I've missed you. I've missed you. Your face, you're so important. I said, when was the last time we saw you at church? He said, oh, it's just, you know, COVID got me. I said, you know what? Stop, stop, stop. I said, that is such a common story at the moment. So many people, same story. Just stuff happens, eh? Like COVID happens. But what I'm hearing from people is that they just need one chance to just get back in the house of God. And they get back and they're like, oh, that's right. I forgot just how important being with God's people is and the presence of God and the, the things you get. You know what? He was here last Sunday night. He's here tonight. I'll tell you why. Because of the response is one of, not where have you been? You can be well-meaning to someone walking back in and building the courage up. Hey, I miss you. I'm glad to see you. I'm so happy that you're here. It matters. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation. James chapter 5 verse 19 says this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let me put it this way. You are a hero in the kingdom of God when you carry the heart of the Father for people that were once found that are now lost. When you're that person who bridges the gap between where they are now and where they can be, I believe that God sees that and rewards those kind of people in ways you cannot even imagine. In this story, the father was waiting, watching, in preparation for his son to return, hoping that his son would return. And in this story, the older brother was so busy out in the field, dancing, uh, not dancing, working and not even watching, but the servant was celebrating the return of the younger brother. I wonder if people that are on the father's heart, but are they on ours? Are people that are on the Father's heart, are they on ours? If that's who he's looking for, if that's who his eyes are towards, are our eyes heading in the same direction? Is our phone communication thinking about who can I text and remind them I miss you? Who's that person in your world that maybe it could be simply 
a phone call to say, hey, I know it's been a long time. I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. Hey, let's hang out this week and have a coffee. I believe that God sees those kinds of people. God's looking for those kinds of people. Someone who go out and put the sheep on the back of the shoulders and bring him back to the house of God. See, the older brother, he was entitled. He'd become familiar. He'd become overprivileged. But the servant who was not entitled, he had no say in the division of the estate. All he knew was, was that the father was so happy to see the son that he was also happy to see him because we're having a party. Let's be that kind of person that says, I don't care where someone's been and what they've done, but if the father's heart's excited to see them, if the father's heart says open arms, come on in, that's what we're going to be like. Let's carry a servant heart, not an entitled older brother. Two things quickly. They're going to really help someone tonight that maybe if the Holy Spirit has shown you a face, maybe you're watching online tonight. Maybe you're there watching and you can't walk into a church right now for whatever reason you feel shame, loneliness, concern. Listen to me. We miss you. We miss you. Let us help you find a local church. If you're somewhere else in the world, type in the little the conversation there and say, can somebody help me? We'd love to help you. There are churches like ours. There's this church in lots of cities. We want to know you. We want to welcome you. We want to care for you. The first thing is this, write this down, your home before the house. In other words, when someone is hurt, they're broken, they're going through something, the best thing you can do is build genuine relationship in your own home before you try and bring them to the house. Reconnect. Maybe it's in a coffee shop. Maybe it is at your house. Maybe it's just having conversation in a way that feels non-threatening. And eventually it's like, oh, that's right. All those things I've built up in my head that aren't real. Maybe I could just walk back in. Maybe you sit with someone and you hear that they're worried and concerned and you get 10 of your friends to text them that week and it looks like it's a big setup. But it is a big setup because we care. If it's going to break down the mentality for the person, it's worth it. And the second thing is this. Your hands are a reflection of your heart. Serve people. Care for people. Look for opportunities to build trust with people, to build a bridge. A few years ago, I was coming home from Atlanta. Sorry, I was coming home from America on the way to Australia via Atlanta. And it was a Saturday night. And I knew that the next morning I was going to be preaching in a, in a large church in Atlanta. And then that night I was going to go to a church called uh, Passion Church, which is Louis Giglio's church in Atlanta. And then I was flying back to Australia. So this 24-hour period of which I knew that I had a few things to do. And I got to the hotel on a Saturday night in um, in Atlanta and I knew I was 30 minutes away from the church that I was going to preach at that morning and I was hungry and what does someone do when they're in America and you're hungry you go down to the restaurant and you have wings that's all you do we're a burger but I had wings in this particular restaurant it was full and so they said you can go sit up at the bar so I walked up to the bar I loved it it was one of those scenarios the sports sports TV channels on every single channel it was like heaven basically it was like heaven I'm there, I'm enjoying wings, and this African-American waiter comes over to me on the other side of the bar, and he asks me what I'd like to order, and I tell him I'd like some wings, and he's like, oh, where are you from? Because he heard my accent. He goes, are you from England? I said, no, I'm from Australia. Ah, oh, you Kiwis. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> Gave me a little bit of a lesson there and just taught him a little bit, and then we just got chatting. It was a bit late at night, and he was really friendly. His name was Derek. You know, I said, hey, Derek, tell me about you. Like, like, how long have you been working here for? Derek said to me, he goes, oh, actually, I grew up here in Atlanta. A few years ago, I was chasing the dream to be a professional NFL player. 
that I actually got signed to the Miami Dolphins in the, in the NFL. He goes, I went down to spring training and the first day I was down there, I had a tackle on my knee and that was the last time I ever played. It wiped me out, my whole dream, my career was over. And only six months ago, I've returned back here to Atlanta and I don't really know what to do and so I'm here working in the bar. And then he said to me, he goes, hey, what, what do you do? Tell me your story. <laughs> I'm like, you know, in Australia, if someone says, what do you do? And if I'm on a plane and someone tends to always ask that question, one of two reactions, right? I say, I'm a pastor, they'll be like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> or they'll be like, oh, I've got a friend that goes to church. Like, oh, they're in Adelaide, they're, they're in the Barossa. And oh, their name's, do you know that person? Like, Sorry, man, no, I don't know that person. <laughs> Like, I'll, I'll hang out with them in heaven, I'm sure, but I don't know. <laughs> but in America, there's a lot more respect for pastors. A lot more. He's like, oh, man, you're a preacher boy. I'm like, yeah. He said, what are you preaching at? I said, oh, I'm preaching at a church in Powder Springs. It's about 30 minutes. And he goes, what's the name of the church? I told him, he goes, that's the church I grew up in. I said, I used to go to church. He goes, yeah, that was my church. I grew up in that church. He said, my mum still goes there. I said, does your mum pray for you every day? He said, yeah, she prays for me every day. I said, why do you go back to church? He says, I can't go back to church. He goes, they all know what I got up to when I was away in Miami. My life was different. I did things I'm not proud of. He goes, I couldn't go back to church. I said, okay, look. I said, tomorrow, yeah, I'm gonna be preaching there. I said, but tomorrow night at five o'clock, I'm gonna be going to another church where I'm not the speaker. No one knows who I am. I'm just gonna be going there. It's in Buckhead. It's called Passion. I said, I tell you what, I'm gonna wait on the front footpath at five o'clock and you better not show me up because I'll be waiting there for you. He's like, oh, no, no. I said, no, honestly, I said, oh, I'll sit with you. We'll go together. I don't know anyone. And we're just gonna go to church and, and let's, let's just, just build a bridge. He's like, oh, I don't know. I said, look, I don't even have a number to give you because my Australian phone's not working here. I said, but I'm gonna be waiting there. So don't let me down. He's like, oh, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, no, he's not gonna come, right? So I go to the church that night at Passion. I'm sitting, standing in the, in the outside area of the foyer. Five o'clock comes, no show. Five past five, I see in the distance, Derek, he's running into the foyer and he's like, oh, bro, I'm sorry. I just got here from work. It's like a fair way from where he was. He goes, I knew you'd be waiting for me. I couldn't let you down. Anyway, we start church, we're in church and I'm not the speaker. I'm not sitting in the front row. I'm three quarters of the way back. I'm worshiping. I look over and worship. I see him. The tears are coming down his eyes. His hands are down here. The message is awesome. Louis Giglio is preaching. Went for about four hours. It was amazing. It just kept going and going and going. No, we won't be going that long tonight. But it was amazing. It was creative. At the end of the night, they said, okay, anyone who wants to find Jesus and this guy next to me, I'll do these ones. I did. His hand goes up. I'm like, yes, touchdown. His tears are coming down and he finds Jesus. And I pray with him right there. I said, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, it's really nice. I just found that someone here has just donated a piece of extra to the church. It's very nice. Chewing gum. I don't know. Just very random. Just, there you go. Hey, bring a sacrifice of praise. I love it. And Derek, he reconnects with Jesus. You're welcome. Enjoy that. I take him down the front. I'm like, let me find you someone to connect with because I'm going back to Australia tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to really help you here. And I take him up and the first person's like, man, sorry, man, I can't help you. I'm like, okay, next one. Third person finally says, hey, Derek, nice to meet you. It was really confusing why they wouldn't want to try and like disciple him. It really matters in those moments, right? Someone's got a friend they bring to church to be really good with them. And anyway, I'm like, okay, my job here's done. Derek, here's my number. If you ever want to call me, give me a call. But otherwise, hey, these guys are here for you. 
Two years later, I go back to Atlanta and preach in that same church, the one in Powder Springs. And I'm finishing the message and I'm preaching and I'm going for it. It's a building got 8,000 seats in a massive church. At the very end of the service, as I'm sat back down, I see down the aisle, Derek and his mum, arm in arm, walking down the aisle. And they're both crying. And they're both looking at me like with such a, a happiness on their face. I'm like, Derek, good to see you. Give him a hug. I said, what's happened? He goes, you happened. He said, if it wasn't for you, he goes, I don't know if I would ever have walked back in here. He said, two years ago, after you connected with at that night, I decided I let my mum know how I prayed that prayer again. The next time I went to church with her, I've been coming back here ever since. I'm a leader in this church now. I'm a connect group leader. God's done an amazing work in me. I, why do I tell you that story? Because there's a bridge that gets built where we choose to say, God's not done with you. There are those stories waiting all over the Gold Coast, over Sydney and Melbourne. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And you and I can be that one that does that. Would you just close your eyes for a moment tonight? Because in a moment, I, we're gonna have an opportunity to reflect on what maybe the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. The story of Derek could be a story that maybe you have your own story. Maybe in the next season, there's gonna be three, four, five people that'll be sitting next to you in the house and that you're about to say, hey, I'm in the house and I carry the Father's heart. And maybe if you're being honest tonight, as the Spirit of God starts to, to move and to speak, you would say, I have been a little bit like the older brother. I've been judgmental. I've got familiar. I've got entitled. I've started to judge. I've started to try and go, hey, it's not fair that you can go live that way and here I am doing the right thing and yet God wants to be used. And how does that work? But it's not our place to be the judge. It's not our place to be the jury. It's our place to have our arms wide open and say, welcome home. And I wonder tonight who it is in your phone that the Holy Spirit wants you to get in contact with. I wonder who it is that's in your friendship circle at work that you know that once went to church and once knew Jesus that He's saying, come on, now's the time to have them in your house and let them tell them your story. Maybe it's gonna be a little bit in a coffee shop this week. Maybe it's gonna be someone you've never seen before and something happens to me, you know, ah, this is the moment that the Holy Spirit's making available to me. And I just wanna to say tonight that the Holy Spirit is here. He's present and He wants to use you to be that bridge in this environment. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tune in next week for more great messages and to stay up to date with what's happening at Glow. For more information, check us out on our social media platforms or on our website, glowchurch.com. We hope you have an awesome week.